Hi, this is Sean from the Fencing Podcast. I know what you're thinking. It doesn't normally start like this, but this is a little add-on that we, we felt we needed to, to put in before we get to the main bit of the podcast. Uh, we recorded the main part of the podcast on the 5th of December 2016, um, and in it we described uh, various bits of action, uh, including how much we were looking forward to the, the progress and further development of Britain's international fencers. And then just a few days later, um, UK Sport, uh, a government agency which funds uh, high-level sport in, in Great Britain, uh, announced that they would be uh, cutting their funding to British fencing so that they would receive uh, no money for the Tokyo Olympic cycle. Uh, clearly, this is pretty disastrous news for, for British fencing um, and the future of British fencing at, uh, at the highest level um, faces a, an uncertain future. Um, so I'd like to get on with listening to the rest of the podcast, but I just felt it was worth mentioning that some of our comments now look slightly out of place with uh, the sort of new reality that British fencing is now facing up to. So um, I'm not waiting on them anymore. I'll let you get on with the rest of the podcast, and I hope you enjoy it. Thanks very much. And welcome to episode four of the Fencing Podcast. I'm Sean. And I'm Gavin. And welcome back. Lots to cover in this one. Uh, but our, our first thing you'll probably have noticed is we have a shiny new jingle. Yes, we have a, we've got a tune. We've got some tunes. I have to thank uh, Chris Heaps for, uh, for some sterling work. We've been enjoying his banjo antics. Yeah, uh, not, not usually my sort of thing music-wise. Thoroughly enjoy the stuff. Venus covers and things that are just sounded great. A really uh, different take on things. I'm uh, delighted that he's come up with a jingle for us because it makes our, our podcast more complete. I think. Yeah. So uh, we'll, we'll put a link to some of Chris's stuff. Uh, just check out check out the website and then the our Facebook page, and you'll find all the information you need there. Right. Okay. So um, time for a bit of follow up from from the last episode. Ongoing ongoing discussion about the on guard line at Sabre. So what is it this week? Uh, this week, well, today anyway, the, the latest news is that originally the, the trial was meant to be up to the end of the year, mm-hmm. uh, the, the FIE Congress the other week, uh, they've decided to extend that trial a bit further, up till February, and they do actually have plans to speak to some fencers and coaches to see what they think of it as well. Wow. So they're actually going to try and get some feedback rather than uh, making up as they go along and then making an entirely arbitrary yes. decision. So that's that's going to be a good thing, we think, so it'll be interesting to see what comes out of that. Uh, just just a quick sort of thing on that. Um, so I've been keeping an eye on sort of what the chatter online is about that. Mm-hmm. I've seen some broadly positive things said about it. Okay. So and I'm I'm not still not convinced. I'm really yeah, not no, convinced. I, I, I uh, understand you're a, a skeptic about this. Yeah. Uh, uh, but I have seen some people saying they think it's good. And I don't quite understand why. Right. So <laughs> okay, I mean, well, maybe when we get a final decision in in February from the from the FIE, mm-hmm. we get an explanation, uh, you know, a more detailed detailed explanation than we've had so far about why it was done in the first place yeah. and the effect that it's had, yeah. and, and why they're happy with it, or if they're not happy, why they're not happy. Mm-hmm. So yeah, so that'll be that'll be interesting. Uh, latest uh, latest development in in sabre rules. Other bit of follow up from from the last episode. Um, great deal of Dan Kellner. Did interview us last time. Yeah, uh, interview for us last time round about his own career and the development of, of fencing in the, in the USA. Mm-hmm. I spoke to loads of people who said they really, really enjoyed that interview. And I, must admit, I, I enjoyed it. Too. I thought it was really good. I didn't know quite why Dan stopped, and I was really interested to hear that. And as I said last time, you know the fact that he's a transitional figure between uh, the old way and the new way. Yeah, it's, uh, it was fascinating. So anyway, so let's let's not um, that ourselves too much in the back. Yep. Uh, great, great work from Dan. We mentioned the FIE Congress, or the FIE Elective Congress, as mm-hmm. I to give it its full title, which I don't think I did last time round, was where the FIE Executive Committee, who are kind of in charge of the sport and various commissions and councils, um, get elected or appointed. Yeah. And one of our one of our tips for that, that lovely, lovely young Australian, Dave Baker, mm-hmm. um, was duly elected to the FIE Publicity and Promotions Commission. And I was so pleased about that that um, I phoned him up. So we'll be hearing a bit more from him later on to, uh, to tell us about... Well, I'll do these things actually. So I think it's going to be good actually. Um, you know, I called Dave picking up the spreadsheets. Absolutely, and yes. uh, he's, 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 let's not say, let's not deny it, he did a great job in the run up to the Olympics, keeping us all informed. So I'm really happy to see that. Yeah. And another person we mentioned last time round, which uh, who appeared 
uh, quite prominently at the, at the FI Congress was uh, Yuki Ota, uh, mm. Japanese men's foilist. Um, we're sort of bemoaning his departure from the sport, hoping they would stay involved. And uh, he's been elected onto the um, FI Executive Committee yeah. and apparently gave a really impressive presentation at the, at the Congress um, in English. Mm-hmm. Um, sort of presenting his, his vision of how, how the sport should be presented in the future. So uh, more, more to come from him. Uh, maybe not the role actually would have expected for him. But... Well, uh, well, for me, it felt like it came from nowhere. Because right. we obviously we were talking about this last time, and I didn't pick up on the fact that we'd be standing for this. And then I thought you just do what all fencers do who are massive nerds. They would just want to become <laughs> coaches like us. Uh, but no, Yuki's gone on to join the executive committee and do some amazing work with the promotional but. I don't know quite what he's doing, but the actual video, which is on the Facebook page, mm-hmm. um, is a sort of a really nice introduction to, to fencing. It's the sort of thing I've been talking about for a while, and it's so interesting he managed to fit in the, the pressure, uh, the pressure on the tip for Foil and Epi, which yeah. I don't think anybody ever mentions. So. No, indeed. Yeah. Indeed. So it's well worth checking out if you uh, yeah. get more. I mean, he had served on the um, Athletes Commission. Yeah, uh, that's right. PFI that's before. right, yeah. Uh, I think certainly, certainly the last little cycle, I think probably the one before that as well. Mm-hmm. So he has got some experience of, you know, with the, the machinations of, uh, of the FIE. It'll be, it'll be interesting to see um, what it does in the, in the sort of higher level executive committee. Yeah. So I think that just about covers our follow-up. Mm-hmm. But thing that we regularly cover, sort of latest coaching moves. <laughs> yeah. um, and the big one this time around, and it's just a couple of days ago, is that uh, Stefano Cerioni is leaving Russia. Yeah, well... So, yeah. Big big news. Um, yeah. Obviously, there's a really high profile move when he left Italy after after the London Olympics. Certainly, reportedly recruited at enormous expense. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly, for things put a, a massive salary. And now, uh, four years on, really successful Olympics in Rio, um, Russian winner of the women's individual foil, the men's foil teams, and a bronze in men's foil individual. Mm-hmm. You can't really argue that he's, no. uh, he's been anything other than extremely successful there. So I suppose the rumour now is, where's he off to next? Yes. And the rumour is China. The rumour certainly is, is China. I mean, admittedly, British Fencing has a vacancy for a foil coach at the moment. They're, they're interviewing for next week, but I suspect that he may be slightly out of our price bracket. Well, Yuki Ota's joined the FA Executive Committee. Dave Baker's in there. Cherry and could, could become the head coach of British Fencing. That'd be an interesting moment in time. That would be a, a surprise, certainly, to me. Yeah. But yeah, certainly the smart money seems to be in China. going to China. I mean, I China so. having um, swept in and uh, taken Aubrey from France mm-hmm. to, to look after their EPI programme, now with Cherry only being yep. available. So much for them winding down to, uh, you know, the, the sort of the, the social aspect uh, yeah, of the sport. Yeah, I was trying not to mention that ridiculous <laughs> bit of speculation that we came up with, uh, what was in episode one or two, but yeah. yeah. If he ends up in China, that, that seems to be uh, what, what most people seem to expect. Maybe they were listening and took offence and all oh, kind of have yeah. a, kind of a bunch of Scottish <laughs> yeah. guys saying. Yeah, Gavin Sean say you're not trying hard enough, so time, time for some big recruiting yeah. in the coaching front. Yeah, maybe it was that. Yeah. Anyway, so time to, time to move on to some results. We're going to have a, a quick dash through the junior results for a variety of reasons. We're only going to mention the winner of each event, I'm not going to mention the team event. The main reasons for this are it reduces our chances of making a right mess of the pronunciation uh, of the of the winners and medalists. And also because, as we'll see, uh, some of the entries for these ones, again, we'll go back to our whole thing about holding FIE events in exotic locations, yep. is that certainly juniors, people don't go. So anyway, Gareth, uh, kick us off. What, what have we got to, to report from the, the junior results well, round off? From, from the juniors, our first one is, in the, is, the, is a women's epi in San Salvador. With a grand total of eighteen fencers. Now this is one we actually talked about last time out when we recorded the podcast just after this event had happened, and I'd been checking the number of entries before, and then couldn't find the results yeah, afterwards. That's right. And and it looked uh, a tiny little entry uh, when I was checking beforehand. <laughs> I, I kind of had doubts whether it would actually take place, but it turns out it does, and um, there was hardly anybody there. So who won? Well, congratulations to Karina Dinarvia of uh, Costa Rica. Well done, her. Well done, her. Uh, I think our next one is well. We'll, oh, well actually, yeah. Want to tell me about the men's event? Oh, yeah, the men's thing. one uh, and the men's epi is also uh, eighteen entrants. Massive. And uh, again, congratulations to Eduardo Garcia of Peru. Well done him. I strongly suspect the first ever Peruvian winner of a, a fencing world cup. Yeah, congratulations. Well, maybe Costa Rica as well. I, mean, so. I, I, I don't know, but I, I wouldn't be surprised if that was yeah. a, a, a double first that weekend. Mm-hmm. 
And then uh, we, I think we can say we can take a step change mm-hmm. into the the next women's ep- women's epi event at Bratislava in Slovakia. Okay, what twenty five? Uh, we've got more than that. Oh wow! Well, up, 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 up. Uh, one hundred and fifty four. That's a bit more like it. Yeah, that's that's I think what we're looking for for uh, for World Cups. Yes, and that was won by uh, Federica Azola of uh, Italy. Jolly good. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next one up is uh, is another is another men's epi this time again in Bratislava. And that had a grand total of... Got to be pushing 200. 184. Yeah, now, now we're talking real competition. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, and that was won by, uh, I think it's pronounced it, uh, Sounds close, Hungarian. Yeah, the Hungarian guy, yeah. that's right. Oh, so, big step change there between the two different events, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. certainly a, a fairly striking contrast. Yeah. Uh, that, that describes the, the problem with, with farming uh, Junior World Cups out to places that are harder to get to have a far more fencing population both mm-hmm. within the country and, and round about. And, yeah. but I, I still think outreach to these countries is good, but we, I think everyone needs to do a bit better about how you get people in and getting the results out. I don't think anyone's going to disagree with that. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure yeah. what the solution is, but like I said last time, I'm not totally convinced that Genius is the place to do this. No, no, I don't think it is at all, because who has the money to send their kids everywhere in the world? Yeah. Um, well, and then moving on, we're going to go into Sabre. Excellent. Uh-huh. Uh, and uh, the first one I have here is Women's Sabre in Sochi in Russia. Excellent. So that would have had decent numbers, you would have thought. Uh, 45. Oh, that's not great. No, not, not at all, no. Um, and that was won by uh, Evgenia Popaskova of Russia. Russia. Yeah. There you go. That's a surprise. Uh, yeah, so I don't know. We'd have to look at the entrance exam and how many Russians were in that one, I think. Um, to be fair, I did have a, have a, a look and... It wasn't a big spread of countries there. Was it not? Um, okay. And obviously, Russian, Russian donors mm-hmm. and Russian winner. Yeah. Um, not really a surprise, I think. I mean, it wouldn't necessarily be surprised even if everybody else was there, mm-hmm. but the fact that they weren't. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm not sure whether Sochi Kids is a, a difficult place to get to or is there any good reasons oh, why. What's women? Uh, isn't that Winter Olympics there? That's it was, yeah, that's yeah. right. So I'm not sure quite why the entry was, was so low for that, but um, yeah, it's, it's not great numbers. No, it's somewhat cold as well. And obviously we've got the men's sabre from there too. Um, the entrance for there, how many do you think? Oh, 15. 49. Yeah. Uh, and that was won by another Russian, uh, Andrei Gladkov. Sorry, well by him. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then we're, we're going to move on to the, the big main event here, the foil. Mm-hmm. So we're going to start off with women's foil in Guatemala City, Guatemala. Excellent, another hot plate of fencing. It is, uh, yeah, it's amazing numbers there. How many people do you think? <laughs> it's not really a lot, is it? <laughs> 30? <laughs> 30. 30, 30 uh, women's foil there. Uh, but congratulations to uh, Cynthia Liu of uh, Canada. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and then obviously we've got the the men's foil event there, same place. Obviously, we're gonna. I'm just gonna tell you, it's yeah. 38 entrants. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. It's big. Yeah. And that was won by one uh, Daniel Gu, also of Canada. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, we've run through the what we've had there eight eight junior World Cups. Yep. And only two of them um, have had anything remotely close to 100 entries. Yeah. I mean, uh, but, and all the others have been. Fifth, less than 50, yeah. in the case of uh, San Salvador, mm-hmm. in the teens. Yeah. I mean, Bratislava is a well-established event, so it's not surprising everybody was at that one. Yeah. But, I mean, the thing is, it does distort your world rankings then, um, because uh, what's the name of our, our our winner in our winners in San Salvador? Karina uh, uh, Villa and, what was his name again, Eduardo Garcia. Okay, so um, good for them winning a junior World Cup, and for that, they'll get 32 World Cup mm-hmm. points. Equally, our winners in uh, Bratislava, mm-hmm. having knocked their pan in all day, um, beaten 150 to 180 plus strong opponents from well-established fencing nations, walk away with 32 uh, Junior World Cup points. Yeah, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think juniors is where you want to be doing this stuff. I think if you do this even in the seniors, you could get something like this happening. You could get some run run a you know an A grade somewhere. Mm-hmm. You know. Nobody will turn up to it, and then um, one random person will, rat, will, will turn up to steal all the points. You see, I don't think it would happen in the seniors, and I mean, some of the places that are a little more difficult to get to in the, um, in the senior circuit still attract decent numbers, comfortably, right. comfortably 100 plus. More competitive, more seniors. Yeah, I mean, more serious, more, more full time athletes, more people pushing for selection for, for national senior teams based on their, based on their world ranking. 
So they'll they'll go wherever the competition is. Yeah, okay. Whereas the juniors, you're much more likely to have a restricted number of competitions that are going to count for your national selection and plus you've got distractions like school and university. So yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's the bank mum and dad that are paying for it. Uh, yeah, indeed. Very few of these people are going to be funded, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, certainly from uh, from most countries, the juniors either get little or no funding. Yeah. There are rare exceptions. But, uh, yeah, for the most part, you're paying to go there. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that's like enough of the juniors. <laughs> yes, me too. Sorry, juniors. <laughs> yeah. Uh, what do we have next then, Sean? Well, I I thought we might have a listen to uh, the interview that I did with, with Dave Baker. Uh, as I say, I, I got him pretty much fresh off the plane uh, back from Moscow after the FIE Congress. What I would say before the interview starts is I had an absolutely horrible cold when I did the interview. And I must have been part of the way through. I thought I was going to pass out and die. <laughs> so... Well, I'm never the, exactly the most sparkly interview. I was particularly bad this time. Uh, thankfully, I think Dave saved me. Mm-hmm. Um, he got all that energy. It's fine. Yes, <laughs> exactly. So, uh, yeah, so let's hear what you had to say. Uh, Dave Baker, welcome to the Fencing Podcast. Thanks, Sean. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me. Great to, great to be here. Um, well, delighted you could join us, because clearly you're a, you're a very busy man. Um, uh, as we mentioned uh, when Gavin and I were doing, doing the introduction, you're uh, clearly a man of many talents. Um, but I, w- I wanted to ask you how how you got started in fencing, and and when you first came on my radar is when you when you moved to the UK as a was a very young man I think. So so tell me how how you got started and how you ended up um, over here. Yeah, thanks again. Um, I started as you can probably tell by my accent. I started uh, fencing in Sydney, Australia, yep. um, through school. So I started at Newington College um, under coaching Simon Jim who's uh, one of Australia's, you know, uh, foremost uh, epic coaches. Um, started a foil. We had a, a bit of success uh, in sort of schools teams, uh, but uh, was always a better uh, epicist than, than foilist. So well, about sort of 16, 17, uh, from a fencing point of view, moved to Epe uh, and had the opportunity to come over to the UK. Uh, it was a gap a student at Shrewsbury School uh, oh, okay. up in the West Midlands of England. Yeah. And... Uh, Use that to train um, alongside doing some coaching and, and tutoring of, of the kids in that school. And uh, then use that as a springboard to go and fence a few Junior World Cups, uh, got a couple of results, and, and so, sort of finished my athletic fencing career with the you know, Fence One Junior World Championships and a, and a Commonwealth Junior Championships as well. Yeah, I mean, that's uh, what I thought. I mean, um, I remember uh, sort of spotting you, if you like, in, in amongst sort of domestic results, as in a sort of visiting Australia. And I thought, well, that's a bit unusual. Um, yeah. Uh, and it's it kind of, I think, coming to the UK as well, I always had, um, I was always a better referee than fencer, which is a funny thing to say. <laughs> and even realising at 14 that, you know, at a training camp, you know, the kids would ask you to referee, if, if, because obviously all self-referee, yeah. and you'd be the one that they'd be picking out. And this is this is in foil growing up. Yeah. Uh, but it was, and I had some couple of great mentors in, in, in Australia, obviously, uh, Tony, Tony Dapre, yeah. uh, David Mock, for example, two really, really strong Australian referees. Yeah. Uh, but was coming to the UK and uh, being based in Shrewsbury, I was very close to uh, Stephen Ismay Cowan, who used yeah. to run this competition called the, the BYCs, mm-hmm, which still exists. But it was at the time, I think it was done over a couple of weekends in, in February. Yeah, that's right. It was split by weapon. Um, uh, February and March, I think it was, were the two weekends. I think it was yeah. something like that. In <laughs> yeah. any case, because I arrived at, at the start of January, I'd missed the qualif- – there was a pre-qualification that was done by region. Yeah. So I couldn't fence the competition, but I, I was, you know, the next town over from the organisers, and they said, well, we'll come and pick you up um, if you'll come and do some refereeing for us. And I think they were giving you £50 a day or something, which yeah. in 2004 was, and for a young bloke was a, was a lot of money. Yeah, hard to resist. Uh, so, uh, so I did that, and it was sort of, I think, the first competition I'd ever been to, I think I was only 17 at the time, that uh, I, I was only only a referee. So I think I can put down sort of the refereeing bug partially to that uh, and met and then met a whole cadre of, of British referees. I mean, case in point, you know, Keith Smith, Mike Thornton, yeah. uh, Ian Hunter, you know, very established, well-known, well-regarded British FIE referees. Yeah, but always um, very welcoming as well and keen, keen to see new blood coming into into the refereeing fold. Uh, right. And it was actually nice, though, because then I refereed uh, the, the, the Nationals, which I think were in the summer later this year, and obviously I wasn't allowed to into that not being a British citizen. Yeah. Uh, and so it was another competition that I was just solely as a referee in. No, I found a lot of support in the UK. I think I refereed the women's final that year, women's foil final that year. Yeah. As, you know, still as quite a young lamb and got quite a lot of help from coaches, lots of support from, from the London four coaches who 
I didn't know at the time. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I really got got the bug for for refereeing and 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 for fencing in the UK. Yeah, oh, great, great, and uh, and stayed on ever since. Yeah, so no, I went back to actually went back to Sydney for uh, for about eighteen months, but uh, couldn't couldn't keep me away. So I did a bit of study <laughs> in Sydney, and and then yeah, I've been in the UK uh, since since two thousand and six. So I'm just just. Just over ten years now. So. Yeah, yeah. So once once you'd been um, welcomed into the refereeing fold in the UK, uh, making the step up to, to becoming an FIE referee, uh, give us a, a brief run through of how how that works for those that aren't familiar with the process. Yeah. So to to you have to be presented as a candidate. Um, so this requires your federation to to, to submit an application to uh, to the FIE. These days it's a bit more complicated, so you would get uh, a C licence. So there's a, a ranking of, of international referees, C licences, which are administrated by uh, the Zonal uh, mm-hmm. Federation, so that would be Europe, uh, Pan America, Asia, Australia. Uh, and then a B is sort of the fully accredited uh, FIE referee, uh, and these are all done on a single weapon basis. So you could yeah. be a B, a, for example, I have B uh, foil and airbag, and I don't have a qualification in Sabre. Um, and then we have an A license above that. But that's a little bit more ceremonial. So towards the end of people's career, or if they've done the Olympic gold medal final, or it's mm-hmm. it's more an award than a um, uh, than anything else. Yeah. But uh, at the time, C license didn't exist. Uh, I'd done a lot of refereeing. Uh, I mean, the only way to get better is, is to work is to work hard. So I was away probably every weekend or every other weekend to uh, cadet competitions. Uh, back when candidates were allowed to referee junior world cups, I would be at those. Yeah. Uh, did my exam with uh, Arthur Kramer, who's quite well renowned. Uh, doesn't he's not he's not on the circuit anymore, but he's yeah. a Ameri- particularly difficult person to pass an exam through. And I did that in Prague in two thousand and seven, right. uh, where I got my FIE for on EPE, EPE licenses. So. so what's what's the life of a what's the life of a, an FIE referee like? Oh, we we have fun. It's uh, it's 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 the reason why I'm still still really engaged in the sport. Um, some of some of my best best friends are fencing referees. We get to, uh, if, especially if we're on the um, on the, the Grand Prix list in inverted commas, is where the uh, uh, where where we get appointed by the FIE to go and referee competitions. Yeah. So, for example, there's the Doha Grand Prix, I think, or Torino Grand Prix, yeah. Doha Grand Prix, and uh, for Foil and Epe before Christmas this year. Those will all the referees at those competitions will all be selected by the FIE uh, referee commission, right? And and then sent there. So. That uh, you don't you don't get taken by your countries or anything like that. It's it's we are we are independently appointed, uh, so we get to hang out, hang out together, work together. It's a, it's it's really considered, and I think it's I've seen this grow and grow over the the last sort of eight eight, eight years nine years I've been an FIA referee. There really there is a sense of camaraderie. There's a everyone views that like we're in it together. We'll work together. Um, it, it's a, it's a really good place to be. Yeah. So uh, I, I mean, you you, you paint a very sort of. Um, uh, rosy picture of it. Um, I imagine there's a fair bit of um, stress and pressure involved in though. Oh yeah, um, I mean, there's no, there's no, there's no doubt that there's a lot of hard work involved. Um, you know, you are deciding, in, especially, especially towards the uh, at the end of the Olympic qualification cycle. You know, you have matches that have direct out, uh, outcomes on um, Olympic qualification, which is you know life changing for for athletes and coaches and federation. Yeah. Uh, but I think you've just got to be able to back yourself to go out there and, and do the right thing. Um, Get get the calls right. That's it. That's our jobs. Yeah. Um, uh, but this is all. This is all. We're there, and we're making those calls because of the you know ten years, twelve years of practice, and uh, getting to, to competitions all around Europe and all around the world. Yeah. Uh, so so there's, no, there's no secret. It's just anytime I do any any seminars or any any help for people, I explain it's just like being a fencer. It's just like it's just like your job. It's just like university. You have to, you know, you have to work hard and you have to work harder at, at increasingly difficult levels. You're always just expanding your comfort zone. And so, you know, the next time you go out and do a world championship final, it's not nearly as scary as the first one, you know? Yeah, yeah that makes sense. Yeah, I suppose, I mean, it's the same sort of um, bedding in process and learning the ropes as it is for a fencer as well. You, know, you develop and improve your skills and the more experience you have, the more comfortable you feel in that environment. Exactly right. And I think as well that we have a lot more, um, a lot more support as it gets more difficult uh, for us, you know, there's more likely to be video replay. For example, yeah. uh, the quality of your, you know, your colleague, you know, that you're going to have uh, a fantastic referee behind you supporting you on the video, um, or as assessors in finals. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the quality of the team, and and as well, all the athletes, you know, they they're um they're they're a lot more organised. Uh, for example, 
we did a pool of seven last year at the Burn at Bay World Cup and pool of seven in men's at Bay. I don't know at the uh, at, at the London Open could take two and a half hours or three hours, mm. three delays and waiting and plugging in and and I think we got that pool of seven done in an hour and fifteen minutes. <laughs> you know, just they're ready to go. Yeah, they got it done, and it's just uh, it's, it's it's a different game. These guys are professionals; they know exactly what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. which makes them easy to referee. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, much more, much more fun than refereeing like, under ten foil or something. I would have thought. Uh, I tell you, but I, 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 that's where you start, though. And I, I learn, I learn a lot about peace management, parents management. Like it, just everybody's in the rooms. Expectation management, I think, is almost high, even harder to, to, to manage at a at an under ten event because um, everyone's a bit littler. And no, I think I think the only way to the top is 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 to do that and get out there um, and work those competitions. Um, because because it teaches you skills that, that do translate and do help. There's no there's no shortcut. Yeah, okay. no shortcut. Um, so, uh, pretty illustrious refereeing career, but um, more recently you've become um, well a bit of an internet sensation with um, uh, with your your Facebook page that that tracked <laughs> yeah. the um, qualification for for fencers and teams for the for the Rio Olympics. Um, uh, I followed it. I think I picked it up fairly fairly early in its life, um, and I asked a few dumb questions, and you were very obliging with giving, giving me answers. And a, and a little story that I had related in a previous podcast when I was in in Bonn, hoping to see the men's foilers qualify um, uh, as a team for for Rio. Um, they got knocked out by the sort of nearest European challengers, and I was immediately on uh, on messenger to you saying, "Right, what happens now?" <laughs> um, yeah. So, so yeah, yeah, yeah. how did you come up with this idea? And um, uh, I mean, it's something I couldn't imagine being able to do to produce all that information, present it in a way that's understandable uh, and in a way that's going to engage people's interests. Yeah, I think the most frustrating thing for me was that no one, no one, it wasn't being done. Or what, Craig, Craig uh, Harkins at, at Fencing.net was doing was doing a good job, um, but it was it's hard. It was it was a hard thing to do. I was just thinking about it at the time. It was about this time last year, or maybe sort of early October. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, last year, and you know, we were a couple of months into into the cycle. We'd had the uh, counting zonal championships, we'd had the counting world championships, and maybe one World Cup into this Olympic qualification cycle. Yeah. And I just I had a view that uh, we really just needed to be knowing where we were in the race. And I wanted to look at the FIE website. I wanted to look at the rolling rankings. And everyone that I was speaking to was thinking about it like, well. We'll just think that points drop off and then – because it's quite a complicated and I won't bore you to, to tears with exactly how it's done. But the way I th- – I just figured everyone was looking at it the wrong way. Yeah. So I started with the teams because it's a bit easier um, and only counted uh, competitions that were in that period. Mm-hmm. So it meant that when it got to the, the pointy end and, and when you say you're sitting in bond trying to run scenarios – uh, it made it, it it made it very easy to do to work out exactly what each team needed to to be done and run those scenarios um, literally line by line. So if China finishes first, second, third, fourth, what do Germany need to do? What do, do Britain need to do? Yeah. Um, and so my background at the moment, I'm not uh, in fencing as a, a career. I, I work a, as a financial analyst for a private equity group. So I was I was going to ask what the day job was because I guess it wasn't yeah exactly be, yeah. It wasn't so be, I spent um, my yeah. life in, in Excel uh, yeah. and then <laughs> convert Excel data to to. To, to visually into presentations generally for, for uh, corporate finance transactions. But um, what I did was I put together um, a sheet, and so I, I wanted to make it as automatic as possible. So yeah. the way my sheets work uh, is that I just copy and paste the data straight away, no manipulation at all. So I go to the results page, copy and paste that data in, and then my spreadsheet automatically calculates the Olympic rankings. So it sorts them by... You know the maximum number of counting qualifying competitions. You know max by zone, max by country for the individuals, etc. Yeah. Um, and then that was easy uh, to then roll out across the four team events and then the six individual events. Right. Um, and then I made some visuals and so some conditional formatting based on my spreadsheets, so that that I could then publish like a picture, a snapshot. Yeah. Uh, every week for every weapon for every team. Um, after the competition to where we are and uh, it started really small it started it was you know I was I was over the moon to get 100 people and I I remember saying to to a few guys at the time gosh if he gets to if he gets to 500 people I'll, I'll buy a bottle of champagne or something yeah. you know and 
No, we hit we hit we have a hit just before the Olympics. We hit fifteen thousand people. Right. Um, yeah, subscribed, which is great. And yeah, anytime I put something up, I think the record was after. I don't know why, and I could never get any correlation between what was popular and what wasn't. But I think it was after the women's Epe World Cup in Barcelona by team. Yeah. And we knew who'd qualified. I think it was something like thirty-three or thirty-four thousand views. Wow. <laughs> on on that. And I know like, with some of the coaches picked it up, you know, Lavavasa, uh, Daniel Lavavasa picked it up and yeah. shared it and all that. So, you know, I think I know why, but, you know, there, there were just some that, that, that I couldn't picture what was popular and, and why people were liking that one in particular. But yeah. I think what made it work really well is that, I mean, I tried to make it easy to understand and easy to, 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 to read, and I added a, a fair amount of commentary and scenario analysis just in terms of what had changed. But... I think things like that as well. It was just important that it was done, you know, every every week. Yeah. So after every competition, as soon as it was up on the FA website, I could get it out. Yeah. Um, so people weren't kept waiting and wondering and trying to watch no, it. No, exactly. And, and, I, yeah. and, and yeah, I, I really I, tried to, you know, I, I ruined a couple of Sunday lunches at, at <laughs> my house, you know, checking between rounds at, you know, Buenos Aires Team World Cup or something, you know, but uh, I think it was worth it. And I, it, it was great. And what really, um, I think the most rewarding thing was just the sheer amount of, um, people that were involved and the feedback I got. So I don't know. I'd, I'd have to guess maybe twenty or thirty. Uh, maybe let's say twenty. Maybe thirty is too high an exaggeration. But of, of the athletes that were actually competing at the Olympic Games, were registering on my page, right. emailing me or messaging me. Um, you know, I'm not going to. I don't need to drop their names. No, no. Uh, but uh, they, um, you know, I think this. It just felt like at the time this is something that we should be doing anyway. Yeah. Um, and it, and it was a lot of fun. It was great. Uh, yeah, I mean, certainly Gav and I have, have described ourselves as, as fencing nerds, but um, we have equally described you as, as the alpha nerd amongst uh, <laughs> uh, fencing statistic, statisticians and uh, people who follow the sport. Um, well, this is actually on that. I mean, I think it's the kind of thing that I, I mean, fencing does attract a certain type of, of, of people. And, and <laughs> careful, careful what you say here, Dave. No, no, no. But look, it's, it's true. I'm, I'm, I'm certainly one of them. Uh, and we don't utilize, I mean, you'd think that we'd be a bit more like cricket or baseball or, you know, football where we'd get stats. Yeah. I mean, maybe this will come on to something we'll talk about later, but I'd love to see some, you know, graphical analysis to say, you know, James Davis against, uh, Ray Simberton, you know, James gets, you know, 75% of his attacks with a, you know, uh, you know, on, you know, he gets seventy five percent of his hits through attacks, or mm. you know, race uses his you know closeout counter attack. You know, yeah, of course, temper hits, high hits, hits for that, and yeah, mostly in the middle period. You know, like, and I know they have it because I know I speak to the athletes, I speak to the coaches. They mm. have this analysis that they do for their, um, obviously for for their their strategy. Yeah, and you know, this is why they have they have all of these uh, guys with a video at every competition is to to, to build. Um, you know, a whole database of information. Yeah, I'm I guessing. Uh, the, I, mean, I, don't, I don't know why we don't do that. Um, I, I think you would have to do it independently because I'm, I'm pretty well, sure. Sure, sure, sure. I'm, not <laughs> I'm pretty sure the, that nobody's going to be the looking forward to data on, on how to beat the Russian men's football yeah, team. For exactly. Nobody, nobody's but, rushing forward to uh, to offer that to anybody else. I wouldn't have thought. So, um, so not, I suppose that would take quite a bit of quite a bit of resource to do it. Um, yeah, and I think maybe that's you know that's you know, that's a bit far-reaching to start with, but I think that you know there could be yeah. at least some quick wins. I mean, you know, I'm sure you've watched a lot of fencing live streams all over the world, and it does just seem to be the same uh, timer, timer score. You know, there's never there's never any context, there's never any any background. Who did people beat to get here? Um, it is just you know you have to be a fencing purist to watch that. You know, you have to be you have to be dialing in specific. Specifically to watch that. Yeah, I think you're right. Um, I've, I've, I'm not watching my uh, for, for those who uh, I speak to about these sort of things regularly. I'm, I'm not watching to my usual um, comments about fencing commentary. But um, yeah, oh, I, 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 know, I, yeah I, I, think, I was certainly agree with uh, anyone that's been on your, your Facebook page when there's a live stream <laughs> on knows your view on uh, on the commentary. Maybe we leave it at that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that seems fair. Um, so presumably, as a, as a result of your um, uh, the success with the Facebook page and providing this sort of information to the, to the world wide fencing community. Your next step has been has been to be, uh, stand to be elected to the um, uh, promotion and publicity. Is that right? Publicity yeah, and promotion. 
Exactly, yeah. Promotion and, and Publicity Commissioner of the FIE. So, yeah, uh, yeah I attended uh, the elective congress. So that happens every four years. Uh, and that was in Moscow, in Moscow uh, this year, towards the end of November. Yeah. And we, uh, so the president, uh, Al Shruzmanov, was, was re-elected. Um, something something to do with, I guess, the 37 million US dollars that he's obviously he's donated from his own personal I'm sure that fortune yeah. to the sport. Um, and about uh, another five or six million US dollars next year as well in the budget, and I'm sure that that in that uh, that will be expected to continue. So, uh, unsurprisingly, he was uh, re-elected. Yeah. And I mean, this this is all money going to uh, development funding. Yeah, absolutely. It's yeah. going to new federations. This is you know this is uh, um, this has been fantastic. But certainly, I've I've experienced you know this uh, this sport pre and post uh, Ismanov and and. The, the standard of world championships, the prize money, uh, the way these thing, these these uh, meetings and competitions are, are run and hosted. I mean, let alone the stuff that I can't see, which is the pieces and the and the equipment going to to developing countries yeah. and new federations. Um, it's certainly it's certainly made an incredible difference. Money. It's I think for our sport, we should be very grateful that that this is this has happened. Yeah, the money's coming in, um, yeah. and it's continuing to happen. I think we would be in a very Different, different place. I know we get a lot of money from our share in the Olympic Games. Um, certainly, it's the most important thing we we have is is to keep to keep our sport in the Olympics. Yeah. Um, from a financial and a and an advertising yeah, presence point of view. Yeah. Because uh, if you're not in the Olympics as a sport, you're well, I think nearly on the same level as tiddlywinks, aren't we? Yeah, so exactly. we've got. Um, yeah, that's that's certainly for me the most important thing that we have. Everything else is, uh, and it's really why I wanted to push for this commission just. I think historically it's 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 hard. It has been hard. I know they've been involved with um, activities that the, the office, the bureau uh, in Lausanne, have been doing. But some of some of the best things I've seen in um, in fencing and promotion and and fencing promotion publicity. Uh, let's say Yuki Ota's recent fencing more fun or something. It's uh, but with the uh, the neon green and uh, and red yeah. foil uh, and they're flipping and turning, it's fantastic. The presentation quality is. And uh, Mr. Ruta has now joined the executive committee. He has, yeah, yeah. I saw uh, I saw him I saw him just recently. He, yeah. uh, he and he did a speech as well, uh, presenting presenting his uh, his his new initiative and new uh, I guess publicity there. He's um, yeah. no, he's handled it very well. The Japanese uh, Federation had a very good had a very good congress. I think I think they got all of their candidates. Uh, uh, elected, sorry, is my yeah, understanding. So they did very well. And yeah, Yuki did. Uh, had a superb presentation in English, um, and uh, yeah, it was very, very impressive to see. So yeah, if you haven't seen that, you definitely need to check it out. It's very good for our sport. Okay, I'll try and find that. Um, so but, um, uh, can, can you talk me through what the what the remit is then for the um, promotions and, and publicity? Uh, yeah, commission? so I think you've got to, you've got to think about it. Maybe it's just easy to explain exactly what the elected. Positions are so we have an executive committee, um, and that's effectively you got to think of like like that's a non-executive like non-executive directors. Right. So everything that the office does, everything the office does, is reports up to up to this executive committee, and that's sort of fifteen people from from a variety of countries. And then we have commissions below that, and so we have like a refereeing commission, which you can talk about um, later if, if you like. But uh, these are almost like working working parties or working yeah. working groups. So we would work, um, I expect, I mean, I'm going to find out at our first meeting in February, mm-hmm. um, that this will be working with uh, the FIE uh, media managers on, on the different initiatives that, that they have going on. Right. Um, and then also for us to, to, to make our own uh, proposals to the executive committee and to the Congress for changes to our sport. So I imagine that, that what we'll cover in our first meeting is will be numbers, viewership numbers for Rio. Mm. Um, and then new initiatives going forward. I know the president of the FIE is, is very keen to, to look at, you say, non-traditional methods of communication. So I know he's putting a lot of lot of time into a couple of you know pretty smart Silicon Valley companies to redo the website, right. um, to have new channels, uh, have everything linked up to to elite fences Instagrams, have better way for newer fences to to see what these guys are doing, not just on the piece but off the piece. Yeah, I mean, I think, um, I think so. Sort of, that sort of more social media immersion. Yeah, uh, that we saw some evidence of that um, at the congress. Yeah. Uh, spoke to some really smart guys that that, that Mr. Isenos brought in. But um, uh, yeah, I think I'll be. Uh, we will have our first meeting. I think it's in February, so I'll learn learn a lot more about it then. So, okay. Um, uh, now on the 
sort of promotions and publicity side of things. Now, I have a couple of questions here, which I've not, I've not particularly primed you with. Sure. Um, the, one, of my, one of the rants I had in the last podcast, I think it was, was about um, when places host World Cups. Um, my sort of expectation, and I think I expressed it pretty succinctly, was that they should be able to come up with things like live results and a, and a live feed. Um, yeah. uh, uh, is, is that me, just me having a rant about that, or is that is that a, a feeling that, that you would share and pass on? Oh, I, mean, I don't want to call you too early, I think, but uh, I think I think no, 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 no. I think you're absolutely right. I think one of one of the key the key issues that we have is is especially at FI level standardisation. Um, so you can go to um, sure anyone that's ever been to um, you have you will have say a, a junior world cup that is run to to the highest quality standard, so yeah. with coloured pieces, and they'll try and involve video replay maybe at a late stage, with you know big t- big teams from big countries with good referees. It's it's run, you know, run like clockwork. But you know, I've also been to some junior world cups that, and this, admittedly, some time ago, where you know there was no weapon control at all. For example, you know, oh. they weren't even testing armies at a junior foil world cup. Okay, yeah. um, and this 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 translates you know throughout. So I think we did have you know it was Bond for example. This Bond didn't have. Uh, didn't have uh, live feed, right? It was one of them. There was one competition. I mean, it just just escaped me. Uh, there well, was no there was no live there was no live feed for for the qualifying competition for the Olympic Games. Oh, well, all right. I didn't really notice because I was there. I suppose. No, you yeah, were there. You could well be right. <laughs> I think I recall watching Bond, but uh, there was certainly one of them. Maybe maybe I feel like it was Sabre just because the uh, foil and FA would roll easily off my tongue. Yeah. Anyway, um, which is just insane. So I think there has been there has been a. Uh, an effort to to standardise in terms of the Grand Prix uh, yes. circuit. So yeah, you know you have um, what is it? It's 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 you know one 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 series nine cities. That I yeah. think is the promotion, uh, and so that is now standardised. So you you know to host a Grand Prix. Um, so that's only individual, no teams, and you yeah. get a multi, you get some more points if you uh, if you win. There's a multiplier for for points for the, the rankings. Yeah, one and a half. Um, yeah. And I think that's now standardised with. This is what you should expect. This is what it should look like, and and you know the FI have set additional standards for what they expect a Grand Prix to be and look like. Yeah, um, I think I think clearly the next step is then to push that down to to the World Cups. Um, I guess the pushback that you're going to get from from those guys is, you know, no one's no one's making money off these. I think if you talk to anyone at your national office, they say no, we don't make we don't make money. This is this is a, a cost without sponsors. Yeah, this would cost us money. Um, so I think, I think it's a hard one because what's the, what's the, what's the solution is, is put up entry fees. Uh, I'm not sure that, I'm not sure that works and I don't think that's, that's the way we should be going. Um, it's hard, it's hard to tax the fences for, you know, for, for something that, that we're not enforcing across the board. Uh, so I, I'll have to, um, just get a bit closer, but I agree. I think that the key we really need to have is, is when, we host a, a World Cup when we host a, a Grand Prix when we host a satellite competition. Mm-hmm. Is that we know what to expect? So if I go to you know the satellite in in Stockholm or I go to the satellite in Dublin or I go to the satellite in London, um, that that it's that I get that we're getting the same product. Yeah, you get a, a consistent standard in at this, each level. So yeah, uh, certainly the standard of presentation um, at, at the Grand Prix now is fantastic and. Super easy to follow, uh, beautifully presented with uh, with their live feeds, um, but as you say, the level down from that, the World Cups seem incredibly patchy in, in comparison. Some are fantastic. The, the live feed from the Women's Sable World Cup a couple of weeks ago was was brilliant. But as I as I had my rant in the last one, the first women's you know first World Cup of the season um, from Cancun and women's foil was was terrible. I mean, I found out more information about that from. Uh, USA fencing and yeah. Ariana yeah, Eagles, uh, Instagram, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Which I thought that can't be right. <laughs> no, it's, it, it is a shame when when someone with a you know one of the support staff with a with a tweeting on a mobile phone, yeah, is 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 doing a much better job than you know an official competition of the FIE. But um, as ever, it's it's just it's just managing the, the resources we have, and you know some countries that have been doing this for a while have this this established. And ready to go, um, yeah. but maybe it's something that we can push, and it's certainly something I want to push because it's it's a big story, especially in the lead up to the Olympic Games, because you know it's the the one the one time of uh, in every four years when the world um, you know stops and takes a look at us and and pays yeah. attention. So a much wider audience, yeah. certainly, yeah. yeah. And and the better it looks uh, for for for, for non fences and junior fences. 
cases. It means they're more likely to get recruitment into clubs, uh, retention for uh, you know newer athletes, existing athletes, bringing bringing old fences back into the fold. You know this is and this will trickle down for for club owners, for equipment manufacturers, for federations, for people renewing their licenses. You know I think I think there's certainly some quick wins that that you'll see at every level, and I think they're the ones that are you know struggling the most. Yeah. Um, you know I don't think. Yeah, you don't see Barry Paul driving around in a Bentley, do you? So, it's, I'm sure, uh, sure weekends when we're all looking. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You know, it's it's. I think it's it's something that we really got to work on because it's it's um, you know, when we're not we're not football, we're not cricket. I don't think we could ever get to that, but I think we could get easily get. You know, if we've got a potential of you know ten or fifteen percent of the population that could conceivably try fencing and do fencing. Yeah. You know, we just need to get that number. If we could try and capture or at least get our sport to forty, fifty percent of those people. Um, and then twenty percent of those actually try the sport, and we retain half of those. Then, then we're probably six or seven times bigger than we are now. Yeah, vastly, vastly bigger than we are now. Certainly, and uh, yeah, I think that's what uh, that's what everyone wants. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. let's see. I mean, I think um, this has all happened for me fairly quickly. Uh, I just you know, starting from from a small Facebook page to, to to being on to being on a commission in the space of I guess fourteen months. Yeah. So, um, I think I suspect I'm going to have a lot of reading to do. Uh, there's been I'm sure there's been a lot of work done to date, but I think maybe it's just going to be a matter of trying to identify some low-hanging fruit and, and, and really find out what, what the federations want, what what the office wants, what the IOC want. Yeah. Um, yeah. And really, really work hard and, and present some, some solutions and, and some really quick wins to, to the executive committee and, and, and actually fencing as a whole. Yeah. So I suppose my final question for you, Dave, is, um, I mean, the one thing that, that strikes me that the, the FA currently misses and, um, and World Fencing in general, obviously, is, a, is, a, is an FIE-sponsored podcast. Um, it seems to, be, <laughs> seems to be one area that uh, uh, publicity and promotions has missed out on so far. And, well, what, what are your thoughts on that? Well, I think I think I think you make a good a good point. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, Dave, in that case, I'll, I'll leave that in your capable hands to follow that one up. Um, well, but naturally, it'll be the first, it'll be the first item on the agenda is 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 you know targeting targeting podcasts. Excellent, I'm, I'm glad to hear that, so, Dave. It's been an absolute pleasure <laughs> talking to you as always, and um, I wish I wish you every success in your. Uh, in your, your new role in the FIE, uh, a, a big responsibility, but I'm, I'm sure you make a fantastic job of it, and uh, I look forward to seeing the, the progress that, that you make over the next four years. And uh, thanks oh, very much for joining us. Absolutely. Thank you so much. And I've, I'm going to have a, uh, a couple of other things coming as well, so that Good. I was going to do whether I was elected or not. So ah, you'll, okay. uh, yeah. you'll follow, follow me and follow my page on, on Facebook. We've got, we've got a few ideas that, uh, you know, uh, things that the thing, things that we're not doing that should be done. Same thing. Excellent. On the, on the okay, same okay. Thing. Well, I'll, I'll make sure I, I get a link up to your page um, uh, on errors in that case. Yeah, I mean, use some time, at, use some free time at Christmas to, uh, to 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 start some work on on those. So brilliant, Dave. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to it anyway. All right, thanks again. Thanks for having me, Sean. Really appreciate it. No worries. Bye. Thanks. Bye. Well, congratulations, Dave. I think it's uh, pretty good. Uh, pretty good that you're on the the FIE committees now, uh, doing your publicity stuff. So yeah, good interview, I think. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I, I do really want to catch up with him again once he's had his actual first proper meeting with um, with the, the rest of the yeah. um, promotion and publicity committee to see uh, more of what they have have in store. I mean, I had my, my little uh, rants about you know the battle of live feeds from World Cups, and um, I mean we'll have a bit more of one later mm. on. Um, and strangely, he didn't pick up instantly on the suggestion that what the FI needed was a you know to sponsor a, a podcast. <laughs> I'll well, persevere with that. We'll, we'll, we'll have to ask him. I'll, I'll send him a message. Yeah. See if, see if we buy it. Uh, yeah, but no, it was good. And obviously, I think yeah, I still think Dave's a great candidate for this. He's clearly interested. You know, everyone's got a lot of time for Dave. He knows he knows the business and all that kind of stuff. So I think it's going to be quite good. Yeah, I think the sort of range of things that he's uh, he's done, his experience as a, as a referee, I found it interesting. I found it interesting that he, uh, he described it as uh, being a lot of fun, which when I watch FIE uh, referees at work, it doesn't look like fun to me. I think you're going to be a, a special no. kind of person to to see that as being um, an entirely entirely enjoyable pastime. Well, it just seems hugely pressurised. Well, I remember hanging out with them and uh, the referees in the, the sort of the referee green room in inverted commas uh, during the Commonwealth. And uh, I mean, they're, they're mostly mostly a quite a cheery bunch. You know, there's only a few of them I would say. Where, <laughs> maybe maybe or, not speak to them. Or you know. less, less than cheery. Yeah, less chatty. You yeah, know. but they're, they're they're by and large pretty good guys. Yeah. Um, so I'm kind of not surprised. I don't think the job the job is a bit thankless because let's face it, nobody likes a referee. You know, 
I mean, I, sorry guys, but uh, it's true. It doesn't matter what sport we're talking about. If the referees always get a hard time, I think. Yeah, certainly it's easy to be um, a villain as a referee and very hard to um, to do anything that's going to win more than sort of mild mild approval. Yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of best that you can hope for, I think. Mm-hmm. Really. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I, we, we need people to do it. Yeah. Um, I mean, this brings me on something I didn't want to mention, which was, you know, obviously we were, we were involved in British fencing here. And this, is, this is where we're based. I still think we do produce referees, but we're not producing a vast number. Well, there's actually a few a few young British guys now doing the sort of touring the European cadet circuit to um, to get their nomination. The thing is, there's a limit to the number of referees you can actually put in for, um, for the FIA exams. Mm-hmm. So it needs a process of getting more referees qualified, and then out there doing World Cups and Grand Prix um, is quite time consuming. Right. Right? You know, it's not like we can put put through you know ten or fifteen mm-hmm. in a in a year if, if we had that many that were kind of ready to do that. I think it's a case of um, I think a maximum of a couple a year. Mm. But but even so, we should have a lot more referees available on the home circuit. Um, yeah. I, I, I still think that uh, any tournament which has self-refereeing is it's not reaching for the standards that we kind of need for the country, I think. Yeah, that's certainly uh, my feeling on self-refereeing at any competition now is that um, you're you're running a social event there rather than a competition. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong, everyone wants to fence in a tournament and we shouldn't exclude people from doing that, but we have to step up to the mark. I mean, I don't know, how, apart from some of the other lower-ranked countries, I would have thought most of these sorts of the top-end countries are not running tournaments which are self-refereeing. They're all certainly in America, I think, here. Yeah. The good ones are all, we've all got referees laid on. We might all, you know, there's always, always a discussion about whether they're good or not, but they're always on there. Yeah. You know, and I'm pretty sure in France they'll have... Uh, France definitely. Yeah. Italy have definitely, a... Yeah, absolutely. Italy, a member, have a have an initiative where they encourage the junior fencers who are fighting for the team to actually go out. Mm-hmm. And the referees that they've actually paid, I think. Yeah, they are, yeah. It's not much, but they get some money, some extra pocket money. Yeah, all helps. Mm-hmm. All helps. So thanks for listening, everyone. Uh, don't forget to like our Facebook page. Uh, you can find us on Twitter at uh, The Fencing Podcast. Uh, you can find us on Facebook as The Fencing Podcast and also on the webpage, uh, fencingpodcast.com. Uh, if you are going to listen to us on iTunes as well or through the website, please don't forget to subscribe. It actually makes our life a lot easier to know exactly who's listening from where. And as a final kind of uh, plea, please leave us a, some nice comments in the iTunes. Uh, give us a nice little uh, bit of feedback. Give us five stars or something like that. Say something nice. Encourage us to produce more mm. podcasts.